Well, if you turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of Matthew, turn into the book of Matthew, uh, you can find your message notes on the YouVersion app. You can go there and hit the little more thing on the bottom and, and you'll find our message notes under New Life. And uh, so turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We'll get there in a few minutes. I got a few things I want to talk about uh, before we get to that, but at least you get to, you get to put your hand in the Bible there and, and uh, know that we'll get to the Word. Amen? Well, a few weeks ago, Pastor Tim got me interested in a, it's, it's called a docu-series on the History Channel, but it's a series on the History Channel that was called uh, The Titans That Built America. How many of you, how many of you ever heard of, of, of that series? Uh, one or two of you, if you ever, oh, The Titans That Built America. It was really good. Pastor Tim got me interested in it, and so I started watching, and then I just, it, it just captivates you. But it was, what it was about was it was about the accomplishments of people like, like Pierre DuPont and Walter Chrysler and Henry Ford and J.P. Morgan and William Boeing. You recognize any, any of those names? It was about their lives and their accomplishments and how they, through the things that they did, uh, built or changed uh, America. Now, these men, these men and, and the people that were around them were visionaries. And their companies and their vision changed America, changed American uh, industry. But what I want you to understand this morning is it took a lot more than one person. It took a lot more than, than them by themselves with a vision. They had, to have, they had to have people that came alongside of them. People that, that would, would work hard and people of, of integrity and ingenuity and dedication. They had to have the American worker and the American worker's hard work come alongside to bring those, those dreams to reality. They had to have people that would design the cars or airplanes that would help to build them, that would, that would, that would help to, to build the munitions and, the, and, and the, the, the equipment for the military that helped to build the buildings. They had to have those types of people that would come alongside of them. They needed the assembly line worker and the people that made steel. And, and they needed all those people to bring those dreams to reality. Tomorrow... We celebrate Labor Day here in America. Well, Labor Day is a federal holiday that was established in 1894. It's been around for quite some time. But the idea of it is to celebrate, to celebrate the American worker, the accomplishments of the American worker. See, I believe, and hear me on this, I believe America is a great country. I believe America is a great nation and it has a great heritage and a great history. I believe that America is made up of great people. And the reason that we're a great nation is because of, of great people. A nation will never be greater than the people it's made up of. Amen. It'll never be greater. You see, we're not perfect as a nation. We never have been perfect as a nation. If you're waiting for a perfect nation, you'll never find one. If you're waiting for a perfect leader, you'll never find one. And if we look back in our history, it's not perfect, and, but, but you can't start tearing down everybody and destroying every remembrance of, of people because they're not perfect, because they made mistakes, because you tear everybody down that's ever come across. There's one person that's never made a mistake. There's one person that walked the face of this earth that was perfect, and his name is Jesus. Amen. We're all striving to be like him. We all want to be like him, but none of us are. We've all made mistakes. Our country 
country's made mistakes. But I want you to know this morning, as we think about celebrating this day tomorrow, I would rather myself, I speak for me, I would, I would never want to live in another country on the face of this earth other than the U.S. of A. Amen. And I'm not saying this as a political statement. I'm saying this because I believe it's the greatest place to live in the world. It was the greatest place for me to be raised, for my children to be raised. And we as a nation, we, we celebrate the American worker and the, the ingenuity and, and all that tomorrow. But you know what we're celebrating is a great nation of great people that have made mistakes, but will continue to be great because we, can, we know that we can look beyond people's mistakes and see their accomplishments. Our country had what was called a Declaration of Independence. And I want to read just part of this here this morning. This is not a political speech, I'm telling you. Trust me. Just stick with me as I go through what I'm saying here this morning. Our country's Declaration of Independence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed, listen to this, by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. Notice that none of these unalienable, which unalienable rights means rights that cannot be taken away from you. Do you hear me, church? Yes. Notice that these unalienable rights are not endowed by a nation. They're not endowed by a government or elected officials or politicians. They're endowed by our creator. Hallelujah. They're endowed by our God. The, the unalienable rights of blessings of life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness is not something our government can give us. It's something only God can give us. If our government gave, gave, it, gave it to us, it could be taken away. If a man or a person or somebody in power could, gave that to us, it could be taken away. Only God gives us that. And God, when he gives you something, he never takes it away. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe these, these blessings, I'm calling their rights, according to the Declaration of Independence, their rights given by our Creator but they're blessings given by our creator. And I believe that these blessings are under attack today. We have to know in our country these rights and these blessings of God, not man, not government, not political party or any of that. These blessings are under attack. Entitlement. I've, I, I, I've talked about entitlement before, but entitlement is the groundwork for socialism. Socialism is the belief that government is our provider. Hear me, church. That's what socialism is about. And it's un we are under attack by people that want you to believe. I hope you're hearing me in, in, through the Holy Spirit. But, but people that want you to believe that government is our provider. It is not our provider. These philosophies are destroying America, the work ethic. People don't want to work anymore because government will provide for them and they believe it. They've accepted that. But they're destroying, these philosophies are destroying the American worth ethic. They're destroying the ingenuity and, and, and in industry of our nation. And I'm going to tell you, there's only one way to come back to what God has given us and the rights and the blessings that he's given us. I heard Bill Johnson, you know Bill Johnson is one of my favorite speakers and I heard Bill Johnson just 
this week, he made this statement. He said, socialism is communism in diapers. <laughs> Think about it. So there's only one way we can come back and that America can become what it was meant to be and that those rights and blessings of God can, can actually be continued to be bestowed and, and not under attack. There's one thing, and that's by putting God first in our country, putting God first in our lives. So we're continuing this message series that we started last Sunday titled God First. And, but today I want to focus on one part of, of the Declaration of Independence, but it's really not part of that. It's really what the Lord put on my heart, and we're going to focus on the pursuit of happiness. How many of you want to be happy? Amen. How many of you'd like just to be happy? I've heard, I've heard people, I've heard Christians, I've heard even people on, on, in the pulpit say, God's not concerned about your happiness, you know, and, and then they go on and they talk about all these spiritual things, and I believe all the spiritual things too. But I believe God is concerned about your happiness, and I'm going to prove it to you this morning. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 5. And we're going to start reading in verse, in verse 1. This is one, of, this is one of the greatest messages that Jesus ever spoke. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we also refer to it as the Beatitudes. You know what a Beatitude is? It's an attitude you need to be in, right? Jesus was telling his disciples, and he's telling us, these are attitudes that you need to live in, that you need to have, that you need to adopt in your life, okay? And so Jesus starts in, in Matthew 5, verse 1. He says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. I love that, that one phrase jumps out of him. His disciples came to him. You know, we're going to look at, circumstances and problems that these disciples were facing and Jesus was addressing. But look what the disciples did. They came to him. You know, I, 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 one of my favorite verses is, is in James, and it's James 4, 8, and it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Because no matter what we go through in life, no matter what we deal with in life, if we will just simply learn to draw near to God, God will draw near to us. There's nothing. He's, he tells us in Scripture. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. So he sat down and on the mountain and, and his disciples came close. They needed answers. They wanted to hear him teach. And he opened his mouth and began to teach them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Listen to some of these and think about the circumstances and what we face and what people are going through in the life that we're living today. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We need to be merciful today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is in heaven. Your reward in heaven is great. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we thank you, Lord, today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for teaching us and speaking to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning that we can hear your words and that we can receive them. They can become part of our lives and Lord, that these are attitudes that we can all take on in our lives today. And God, I pray that every one of us will open our hearts and receive what it is that the Holy Spirit has for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's a principle in Scripture. uh, As you study, there's a principle in Scripture that says if God says something more than once, he's trying to get his message across to you. You know, if he repeats himself, he's trying to get your attention to say something to you and get his message across. He's, he, he's, he's saying it more than once. It's kind of like, you know, my, my children, when they were young and they'd do something, I, I would say their name, you know, like three or four times. I was trying to get their attention. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't touch that stove, right? I was trying to get their something across to them. Nine times in these verses that I just read, nine times Jesus uses the word blessed. You think he's trying to to get something across to us? You think he's trying to get our attention with these these nine words, repeating it nine times, the word blessed? But the word blessed comes from a Greek word that actually means happy. It means happy. The word blessed there, it means happy. It means to be delighted. It means to be pleased. It means to be glad. It's an attitude of happiness is what he's saying. So we could actually reread. I'm going to reread this, but I'm going to use the word happy because I want you to understand God wants you to be happy. Amen? Amen. He says here, happy are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Happy are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Happy are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Happy are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Nine times he uses the word blessed, which means happy. Nine times happy is used here. God is trying to get a message across. Nine times he uses it in the context of nine different attitudes or nine attitudes that he wants us to take on. And it's nine different circumstances. So he's saying this, this word happy or blessed 
nine times in the context of nine attitudes towards nine circumstances and nine different outcomes. Are you hearing me? Okay, I know I'm probably, I'm probably taking you on a long journey already, but we're going to get there, right? Amen? You see, what I want you to understand this morning through this, he says it nine times because he really wants you to know, I want you to be happy. He wants you to be happy in every circumstance of life. We go through times and we'll say, but God, I, you know, I'm going through this. But God says, you can still be happy. I want you to be happy through that. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what circumstance, no matter what, God says you can be happy in the midst of that. The question this morning that I want to look at, though, is what or who are you pursuing for happiness? So I said the title of my message is The Pursuit of Happiness. But I want to share three truths that I believe will cause us to pursue the right person and receive the happiness that God wants for us to have. Amen? So the first truth that I want you to see this morning is that God knows your need. How many know God knows what you need? Just one chapter over. I read out of Matthew 5, one chapter over. The next chapter, chapter 6. Jesus is talking about all the things we need in life. He's talking about food and drink and clothing. And you could add on and on and on the things that we, we need or think we need. And, and he's telling us about all these things we need. And then he says in Matthew 6, 8, he says, Your father knows the things you need before you ask of him. How many of you know that, that there might just be a possibility that tomorrow you're going to need something that you don't know about right now? Okay, so tomorrow night you're going to, you want to make dinner and you all of a sudden you realize, I, I don't have any salt. So you're going to have need of something tomorrow that you don't know about now. What the Bible is telling us here is God already knows that you have that need. God is always already, he's working towards steering you and guiding you and moving you and, and adjusting your attitude, if you will. He's already moving you towards meeting that need because God knows. You don't, you may not, but he does. And we have to believe that. We have to believe God already knows the needs I have even before we ask, even before we know. Then he goes on in Matthew 6, 32. Listen to this. He says, these things dominate. Now, he's talking, about, he's talking about what he's just said about the things we need, you know, food and, and drink and clothing and all those things that he says we need. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Jesus says that, he uses the word in this, in this version here, which is the New, the, the, uh, the new Living Translation. He says that, that, he, that these thoughts, these needs dominate unbelievers. They dominate the thoughts. In other words, what am I going to do for food? I told you last week, I don't think my dog is ever worried about where he's going to get his next meal. <laughs> right? He knows. I mean, it doesn't worry him. But people do. 
Unbelievers, it says people who don't have faith in God, that God already knows their need, that God's going to take care of their need. He, he already knows that. And he says, he says that, that unbelievers, these things dominate their lives. These things dominate their thoughts. In other words, they control their thoughts and those things begin to be first in their life. Their first pursuit begins to be going after those things. They have first place. But see, I want you to understand this morning. Most of us start our prayers off, or many of us, Heavenly Father. If we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's our Father who art in heaven. You see, but if we really believe that he's our Father, and the Word says that we already know that Jesus says your Father knows the things you have need of. If we believe he's our father, we must believe he loves us, that he already knows our needs and he's already working and bringing things together to provide for those needs. Those needs should never control your pursuits. God should be the one that controls your pursuit. God should be the one you pursue. See, I want to encourage you today. Don't let the problems and circumstances in your life cause you to be dominated by those problems and circumstances. Don't dwell on those things to the point that they control your life, that they dictate and, and, and dominate your life, as Jesus says. God already knows what you have need of. Amen? Just look at yourself. Well, I don't know if you can look at yourself, but you can point to yourself and say, you can stop and say, hey, say your name, Steve. Just remember, God knows what you need. He's already working towards meeting it. Amen? The second truth, the first one is God knows what you need. The second one is God delights in providing for you. God delights. He doesn't meet your, he doesn't meet your needs like, oh, I got to do this again. I, oh, here's Steve again. He's gotten himself in trouble. He needs this. And, you know, he doesn't do that. The Bible tells us he delights in us. He delights in being our father. He delights in meeting our needs. Psalms 147, 11 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. How many of you believe God loves you this morning? How many of you believe he's a loving father this morning? How many of you will go on to say, I believe that he delights in providing and helping me in life. I believe that. He delights in that. It, del- it delights God to meet your needs and fulfill your desires. It delights him. Just as when my, my children were growing up, when they were growing up, it would delight me when they would come and say, hey, can, can we get this or get that? And can we do this? Let's go for ice cream, Dad. You know, it delighted me when they came to me for those things. You know, it delights me even today. They're grown men. I have grandchildren and, and you know, it delights me still when they call and they'll say, hey, dad, I've got this decision I've got to make. Can you, can you help me? It delights me. It makes me feel 900 feet tall, <laughs> you know? It just blesses the daylights out of me when my kids come and ask my advice and direction today. See, it delights God when we come to him. Why? Because he wants you to be happy. He wants you to be happy. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. What delights the Lord? What delights the Lord? If we delight ourselves in him, he delights in us. 
He will give us those desires. If we delight ourselves in the things he desires and delights in, before long, we begin to take on his desires. When I know God delights in in providing for his people, all of a sudden something comes along where where we need to help somebody. It will begin to delight me to help somebody. You see, as we delight in the things that delight God, that he delights in, we begin to take on his desires and the desires of our heart. So too many people think that, that, that the, the desire that he's talking when he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. God will give you the needs and desires of your heart. But more so, when we come to him, we're changed. We're transformed and changed our minds. So we begin to take on his desires. You see, the issue is not whether or not we want, he wants you to have the desire. The issue is, is who are you going to and where are those desires originating from? Who are we going to for these things? Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desire of your heart. The very next verse, that was... Psalms 37, 4. The next verse says, Psalms 37, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Commit your way. Last week we talked about about the way of God, walking and following Jesus. You see, he says trust. He uses that big word, trust, which, that word that today there's, there's not a whole lot of trust in the world today. But our trust must be in him, and we have to trust that he's our father. We have to trust that he's our provider. We have to trust that he delights in providing for us. We have to trust that he knows what we need. You see, you'll never commit your way. You'll never follow anyone who you do not trust. Are you hearing me? You got to trust him. God delights in providing for your needs and fulfilling your desires. But you got to trust him. So the first thing we need to know is that, that God already knows your needs. He knows what you need. The second thing is he delights in providing it. This third point this morning is your happiness is not in the things that you're pursuing. It's not in the things in the world. It's not in that, that new outfit or new car or new house. Your happiness is not in things. It's not in making more money. It's not in having a a bigger bank account. Your happiness is in him. Hear me. Your happiness is in him. You see, I think it's I I say it this way, I think it's human nature, but it's more human fallen nature to seek after the things you want or need. If, if If we need food, we usually go get food. We seek after and we pursue. We go to the grocery store or, or we make something. We, we go get food if we need it. If you need clothes, you go and you pursue clothes. You buy them, right? If you need a car, if you need a car, you go search for a car, right? That's, it's kind of like human nature. But Jesus says, Matthew 6, 33, 
He says, seek first the kingdom, uh, the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Everything you have need of will be added. All these things, we're, we're, we're running over here to find this, to find that, to, to get this need fulfilled, to, to, to find what we think may make us happy or solve this problem. We're running and chasing after all of these things and Jesus says, no, no, chase me. Follow me. Come after me. He says, no, go after the kingdom of God. Go after my righteousness. Go after me. And all of that stuff I'll provide. Go All that stuff I'll provide. I told you last week that whatever you focus on in life will get bigger. If your focus is on a problem, it just seems to get bigger. You know, if you're focusing on a circumstance, it's just going to get bigger. If you, you know, if, if it's, it's just, it's just the way life is, whatever you focus on gets bigger. If you focus on God, if you give him your attention and you go after God, he gets bigger. How many know faith will only rise in our lives as God gets bigger as our provider and the one who meets our needs and the one who loves us. We've got to put all of our attention and focus on him. And I promise you, he'll get bigger. You know, if, if there's somebody down the street and they're walking towards me, I probably can't tell who they are. I can't see real clearly their face yet. But as they come closer, they get bigger, right? They get bigger and bigger. They're not really getting bigger because they are who they are, but I see them bigger. And I see their face. And then I begin to register who they are. And, you know, all of a sudden I realize, hey, that, that's my friend or that's somebody I know. And, and that's the way it is with God as we pursue him and go after him. You know, there are times that we get lost in a circumstance, like right now in the world we live in today. Man, you can get lost in all of the stuff and all of the problems and issues. But if we'll just get our eyes on him, he, he may seem like he's far away, but if we just keep coming closer to him, he will get bigger. We will see his face clearer. We'll, he'll, draw, he'll draw near to us as we draw near to him. See, whatever has first place in your life will determine what consumes your life. How many have ever been around somebody that, uh, and I'll put it to you this way, that, that's kind of a conspiracy theorist. You ever, ever been around somebody? I mean, there's a lot of different things we could use as an example. But that begins to so consume their life that everything relates to it. They're consumed by it. You see, whatever you focus on in your life will consume your life. Whatever you focus on will determine how you live your life. If you want to be happy, if you truly want to be happy, you've got to focus on the one and only person that can really bring you happiness. Because I promise you that everything else, if you pursue it, you focus on, go after it, it will not bring you happiness. It's empty. It's empty. But whatever you put first in your life will consume your life. I'm going to ask the worship team, go ahead and come up. Whatever you focus on in life will consume your life. Whatever, whatever you focus on will determine how you live your life, and it will also determine the outcome of your life. Whatever has first place will drive your decisions, and it will make you who you become. See, the key to happiness in your life 
is all in, in, in who you're seeking. Trusting God the first place in your life is the key to everything. You want to know the key to everything? I'm going to make it real simple. Trusting God for everything. Focusing on God for everything. Putting God first in everything. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I read this last week. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, don't depend on your own intellect, your own ideas, your own thoughts. Don't depend on those things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Now, that doesn't make any sense in the natural, does it? You know, the natural tells us, go after that, go after that. Those will meet your needs. Those will take care of the problems. But he says, no, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, there's a lot in this world that we face every day that make no sense in the spirit. They make no sense when it comes to the things of God. There's the things of God that make no sense in the natural. Jesus, uh, not Jesus, but Isaiah writes, and it comes from Jesus. Jesus is the word. But Isaiah 55, 8, this is one of those passages of scripture that redirect our thoughts. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Every time you question God about something you're going through and and in the natural, what he says doesn't make sense. In the natural. Just remember those words he says to us. My, just remember, my thoughts are not the same as your thoughts. My ways are not the same as your ways. You see, if we, if we can ever get our thoughts on his thoughts, if we can ever trust him enough to live his way, we'll never have an unfulfilled deed. We'll never have an unfulfilled desire. See, the key to happiness, I'm just telling you, is so putting God first. It's so setting our hearts and our minds on Him. And if we can just grasp this truth, if we can just grasp it with every decision, with everything we face, with everything we go through, put Him first. And remember that He's there to meet our needs because He knows that God delights He delights in his children and meeting the needs of his children. And that happiness in our lives is all in pursuing him. I'm going to close with with this passage out of Romans. The reason I'm using this, it, it almost feels like I'm shifting gears. I'm not. Listen to this. Paul says, Romans 12, 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world. I want to focus on that word right there. Because you walk out these doors today and the world is telling you conform, conform, conform. And this passage right says, don't be conformed to this world. It's a warning. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that his thoughts become our thoughts, his ways become our ways. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to be happy? Walk in his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Are you hearing me, church? 
I'm going to tell you our, our hope in the future, our hope for the future, our hope for all of our lives, I'm telling you, is all in pursuing Him, putting Him first. Set your eyes. Just close your eyes right now. Bow your heads. Here's my prayer. If I've encouraged you in anything today, it's this. Set your eyes on Jesus. No matter what comes, what comes about in your life, no matter what rises up, no matter what screams in your ears, no matter what, what circumstance arises, just so set your eyes on Jesus. So determined that you're going to focus on Him. So determined right now that no matter what you go through, you're going to follow Him. That you're going to pursue Him. So Father, today, I, that's my prayer over each one of us. Lord, every one of us face different things, but in our world today, we're all facing some of the very same things and dilemmas and decisions and complications. And Lord, our desire right now, and I pray over our people here, that we would never be conformed to this world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Lord, I pray right now in every person that your thoughts, Lord, would right now just begin to flood our thoughts, overwhelm and overtake our thoughts. Lord, that your ways would begin to consume our life, that they become our ways. God, that's our prayer. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, if you're online this morning, whether you're here or online, if you haven't accepted Jesus, you can't accept this message without accepting Him as Lord. You'll never follow Him unless you can trust Him. So I want to encourage you right now, wherever you're at, at home or whether you're here, I want to encourage you this morning just to stop and just pray this simple prayer. Everybody just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I accept you today as my Lord and my Savior. I invite you to come into my heart today, fresh and new. I invite you, Lord, to consume my thoughts with your thoughts. Lord, and guide me and direct me in your ways. Lord, I accept you today. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.